Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually, consciously living today. Here's your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a, spa- as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host and producer of the show, and today our topic is Wake Up to Joy. I'm so delighted to once again join the Yoga Hour's founder and host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Yogacharya O'Brien is an internationally acclaimed spiritual teacher, author, poet, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a Kriya Yoga Meditation Center with headquarters in San Jose, California. Today on the Yoga Hour, we're focusing our conversation on Yogacharya O'Brien's new book, The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga. The book was just released at the end of November and is now available on Amazon.com or via Yogacharya's website, EllenGraceO'Brien.com, and it's O'Brien with an A, O-B-R-I-A-N.com. You can also find out more about uh, Yogacharya's writings and national book tour at that website, EllenGraceO'Brien.com. And there is more about her teaching schedule at the CSE website, csecenter.org. In the coming months, she will be offering many retreats, beginning with the New Year's retreat that begins today, January 3rd, 2019, at CSE. She will also be at the 1440 Conference Center in Scotts Valley in April, at the Omega Institute in New York in May, and at Kripalu in Western Massachusetts in August, all listed under events on the ellengraceobrien.com website. Welcome, Yogacharya O'Brien or Umaji. I'm, I'm so delighted to join you today on the Yoga Hour. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Trujillo. It's wonderful um, to be with you in this capacity and to connect to all of our listeners and subscribers to Yoga Hour. So I want to begin with my gratitude for our um, continuing um, success and blessing of offering this Yoga Hour for many years now. So um, my, my gratitude to you and to all of our listeners. Yes, it's more than eight years now that we've had on the Yoga Hour. So that is, uh, that is a blessing. Before we begin our dialogue about waking up to joy, let's start with a moment of practicing what we are about to discuss, a moment of meditation, a yoga moment. Oh. 
So let's start right where we are. Let's start with feeling our bodies, bringing ourselves present into the moment, feeling our bodies in space, feeling our feet on the ground, feeling if we are seated, whatever is supporting us, and then noticing as we take a fully conscious breath, noticing as we inhale and exhale. Feeling the cool air entering the nostrils on each inhale. And feeling the warm air flowing out. Not trying to change our natural rhythm of breathing, but just noticing. Bringing ourselves present into this moment now. And as we take our next inhale, imagining with that inhale, we can dive within. And with each exhale, we can relax. As we dive within, resting in the essence of our being. This essence of our being that is connected, that is part of the essence of all. It's within us, between us and all around us. And just by being present and noticing, we can rest in this essence of our being We may notice thoughts or feelings and realize we can watch them. Watch them as they arise and watch them as they pass away. And resting in this essence of our being, we notice its qualities. A peace, a peace that pervades our being. And the joy that is the part of our essential nature. And we allow that peace and that joy to penetrate the physical body, the emotional nature, the mental field. And we realize we can take this peace with us. But as Yogananda described, it's a portable peace. So let's intend to take it with us in our day, 
and share it with all we meet. Once again, Umaji, I'm delighted to be with you today on the Yoga Hour. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. And since it is the beginning of the new year, which seems like an auspicious time, a time of beginnings, I would love to hear you read one of your poems to start us off this morning. Would you read one for us? Uh, sure. Thank you for that request. I'm going to read from... Um, the latest collection called The Moon Reminded Me. And in here, uh, I included a poem that is called To the Guru of the Passing Year. Um, so a couple of things by way of introduction to this poem. One of the practices that I have had uh, for many years is to write a poem at the new year, sometimes looking forward, sometimes looking back. Um, so this was one of those poems that I wrote uh, at the new year. And um, it is written to the guru of the passing year. Of course, guru meaning teacher, uh, the light that removes the darkness of ignorance. And guru can refer, of course, to our spiritual teacher, to God, the teacher of all teachers, or even to life itself. Um, with its inherent tendency to support our spiritual awakening and the fulfillment of its uh, higher purposes. So uh, I, I suggest, you know, that we also include our life itself, you know, as our guru, as our book of instruction. <laughs> and um, so this is a, is a poem honoring that Guru, that divine presence um, in our life that is teaching us all the time, you know, if we if we only look. So this poem is called To the Guru of the Passing Year. To the Guru of the Passing Year, I bow and say Namaste. I behold the divine in you. I pause and say thank you. I pause and say thank you for every teaching. Even though I'm a poor student, don't finish my assignments, want credit for it all, yearn for recess, fall asleep during class, need a bell to wake up, yet love learning as light loves the empty room at the end of the day. Yet, love learning as light loves the empty room at the end of the day. Thank you. Thank you for the teachings that woke me and for those I slept through. I walk out with the nod of your blessing as the door of this year closes behind me. So lovely and so appropriate for today. Mm. So let's turn our attention now to your new book, uh, The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga. So at, uh, 
obviously right now we are at the time of a new beginnings and many people may make resolutions. And I think it's so appropriate to focus our conversation on happiness, since this is one thing that pretty much everyone wants more of in their lives. So in his first formal speech delivered in 1920 at the International Congress of Religious Liberals, Paramahansa Yogananda explored what it is we truly want and how we can find it. So can you tell us more about that speech? What were his conclusions? Mm. Yeah, that um, speech is published, at least some form of it is published as the small book, The Science of Religion. And um, in that speech, he, he did just a masterful job of bringing our attention, you know, to the heart of what we really want. And of course, his conclusion was that what we really want is God. <laughs> but, you know, that seems a far away um, goal and not familiar, you know, to many. And so he, he made this kind of scientific approach to it, which is to say, if we look, you know, if we look in our everyday life, we can see that what we're all looking for is happiness. You know, when we get up the first thing in the day, you know, we're moving in the direction of what we think will bring us fulfillment. You know, no one gets up and says, you know, I'm going to search out suffering today. You know, we just don't, we just don't do that. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, you know, we might be in a bad mood and think I'm going to create some suffering for others today, but generally we, um, we're we all looking, you know, to avoid suffering and to find um, peace and to find happiness. And so then, you know, he took the argument to the next level and, and, and said, you know, well, we're all looking for happiness, and but there's a particular kind of happiness that we're looking for. And that is a happiness that will not disappoint, a happiness that 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 will not fade. Um, and then, you know, of course, when we begin to examine the nature of material creation, we, we see that all these things, circumstances, even relationships that we seek as a source of happiness are all um, mutable. They're all changeable. And in that sense, um, they can disappoint, and they're so they're not really what we're looking for. So we, you know, but some sometimes we don't know that, so we just keep looking. You know, we think the fault is with the thing or with the relationship, with the person, with the circumstance. So we keep trying to change these things outwardly in our search, you know, for happiness and satisfaction. So in this brilliant turn of his uh, divine argument, Paramansaji said, the happiness you're seeking is the bliss of the soul, which is God, you know, incarnate in you. So that is the only happiness which will not disappoint because it is unchangeable. It's a, it's a divine quality, a quality inherent in your own being. So uh, that's how he so masterfully 
you know, told everyone. And I've, I feel, you know, you must have convinced everyone because I felt convinced when I read it mm. that, yes, you know, what we're looking for is God. We're, we're looking for the highest happiness. And you can call it, you know, whatever name you want to call it. But um, he chose, you know, that word uh, God um, to mean that reality which is the source of our unending bliss, our uh, contentment that, that does not disappoint. Mm-hmm. So in your book you write, simply inquiring into the nature of happiness will instigate positive changes. Simply inquiring into the nature of happiness will instigate positive changes. So this is one version of the yoga practice, yogic practice of self-inquiry, which is one of the three fundamental practices of Kriya Yoga outlined in Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. So self-inquiry, and, and it strikes me that that this is what Yogananda, you know, was kind of illuminating in in um, his, uh, the speech that you were just discussing, that he, um, you know, he was encouraging us all to, to look more deeply. And I think that's what you're encouraging as well. So how would you recommend we pursue this? How would, should we inquire into the nature of happiness? Well, we should question, you know, we should question what we want. <laughs> we should question what we want. Um, not that we shouldn't want it, but, you know, particularly, I think, you know, as we're, I mean, this is true any time, but as we're embarking on a new year now in this uh, program live in January of 2019, you know, there's the tendency, of course, to make all these resolutions and think about what we want and how things we want things to be different and so on and so forth. And there's a, you know, there's a lot of, um, research that shows most everyone fails at those resolutions. Um, And I think principally because they cannot give us what we want. So while they're useful, you know, it's useful to make positive changes. We we don't want to set ourselves up um, looking in the wrong direction for what we really want. So this practice of self-inquiry is, you know, asking, what do I really want Um, you know, and what do I think that, whether it's a a relationship, a job, a thing, you know, a new uh, set of clothes or pair of shoes or whatever, what do I think that will bring me? Now, you know, it's fair to say that a certain level of, um, outer support and security, you know, will bring, uh, a a sense of, uh, well-being, um, you know, to, to have our basic needs met um, is critically important even to being able to embark, you know, on deeper um, spiritual journeys. You know, if you're under stress all the time, worried about, you know, where uh, your next meal is coming from, you know, it's very hard uh, in such a circumstance to, ser- you know, search for uh, spiritual happiness. So, yes, you know, we we look at having our basic needs met and then beyond that we begin to ask questions of what am i really looking for and uh what do i think this will bring me and then the question is can it give me that you know and 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 will it last and you know those kinds of questions mhm 
Absolutely. And, and there's oftentimes a, a time delay uh, between, you know, we get something and uh, we do feel a, you know, sense of, of um, happiness, you know, when we um, get something that we desire. Um, but that often then, you know, fades over time. But looking at that, that first, you know, bit of happiness, you know, so we get something that we desire, whether it's, um, you know, new car, or new job, um, you know, new, even, you know, new pair of shoes, whatever it is. So, but there is that feeling of happiness. So where does that happiness come from? Well, all happiness, you know, comes from the soul, you know, it all true happiness arises from the bliss within us. Um, so I think, you know, what the yoga teaches, uh, teachings tell us what happens is when a desire is fulfilled, it is not the thing itself or the situation itself that actually brings happiness. You know, curiously, it's very interesting to look at this because it, it certainly feels that way. And we certainly enjoy, we enjoy things through the senses. You know, we enjoy giving service. There's a lot that we enjoy. But the teachings say the enjoyment actually comes from within and it is prompting it is prompted by the mind becoming quiet enough for a time that our inner joy can be um, experienced. So if you think about it, you know, when you have a desire, you want something, you want something, you want something, <laughs> and then you get it. And so that um, turning of the mind, you know, like, okay, planning, scheming, thinking about how am I going to get, you know, longing all of that going on, then the object of our desire is um, acquired and then there is a, a calm. You know, it's like the ocean waves, right? You know, this, the churning of the waves of desire in the mind and then the, the moment of receiving, of acquiring, of accomplishing, and there's that moment, and that moment might be a very fleeting moment. It might last for some period of time, but that desire is satisfied, and so the mind becomes quiet, and the happiness that is inherent to our being is actually perceived. But we make the mistake of assigning that happiness to a situation, to a person, um, so that once um, the mind starts up again, you know, looking for the next desire, and of course this is coming from the ego function of mind, which is looking, um, you know, to have more experiences to bolster its um, existence. Um, so another desire uh, will will arise in the mind. And because we have ascribed our innate happiness to something external, then we're off to the races again, you know, looking for that next thing um, because we have set up the belief that it came from whatever we uh, acquired or achieved. That is so helpful. Uh, I find that just explanation just really, really really helpful. So it's a, it's a place that we can look in our, in this self-study we've been talking about as we look at happiness in our lives. Um, so you write in the book, uh, under the heading, waking up to joy, 
that uh, spiritual realization puts us in touch with the soul's bliss. As we experience it more frequently, it's enjoyable for us and uplifts those around us. To be a divine instrument, uplifting others with joy, is one of the simplest, most accessible, and profound ways to live prosperously. So can you say more about how experiencing the bliss that is inherent to our nature helps us to live prosperously? Well, you know, as I as I listen to you read that, I'm thinking, well, it's it's sadhana, spiritual practice, and the definition of sadhana, the literal definition of that means to go straight to the goal. And so just just think of that. It's you know, circumventing all of that external striving. And going straight to the goal, <laughs> just just going ahead and being happy for no reason. Um, and <laughs> there's such there's such freedom in that, and it doesn't necessarily have to be um, you know happiness that we think of as some kind of ecstasy or uh, some kind of Pollyanna um, you know sense of everything is just you know delightful it it is more of a sense of deep contentment in knowing the truth of uh, our being and coming from a place of inner contentment and wholeness and honestly that is completely like night and day (laughs) it is just like night and day you can you know once you see that distinction in your own orientation in life you, you you see what you know the 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 yogis are speaking about when they say you know that it's there's this distinction you know for the yogi uh, you know being in the world is like night <laughs> and being in the meditative state is like day and so you know there's this uh, striving that goes on and people are so unhappy and they're making themselves unhappy. Um, but it is unnecessary. (laughs) And with that, we are just about at the break. You're listening to The Yoga Hour with host and founder of The Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien. Today, we're discussing the teachings in her new book, The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga which you can now order on Amazon.com or from her website, ellengraceobrien.com slash the jewel of abundance. Or there's actually, when you go to that ellengraceobrien.com website, there's a link to the book right on that welcoming page. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the show. When we come back from the break, we'll explore more. listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach around the world, we depend on the generosity of listeners like you. If you enjoy the programming, please make your donation today by going to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Teachable Moment with Rev. Ogan Holder, speaking at Unity on the River in Amesbury, Massachusetts, on living an abundant life. Examine your life, whatever you may think is missing or lacking or you wish you had. Realize that you are bearing false witness against your true self and speak words of abundance to it. Speak words of truth to it and to yourself and repeat them over and over again until you have brainwashed yourself into believing that you are divine. The moment you begin to think and speak as if truly you are the embodiment of all that is. This is the only thing we got to get into our thick skulls. Living the abundant life is not about what we have. Living the abundant life is realizing that we have it all. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. For over 23 years, Liz Dunn and the team at Celebrate Your Life have been presenting life-changing events with some of the world's leading spiritual teachers. Experience a Celebrate Your Life event for yourself in 2019. Tickets are available now for the International Women's Summit, March 7th to 10th in Phoenix, Arizona, featuring some of the most inspirational speakers in the realm of mind, body, and spirit. Do something for yourself this year. Go to CelebrateYourLife.com and reserve your space today. Follow Unity Online Radio on Facebook and Twitter and stay up to date with all your favorite shows. Become a fan by clicking the like button. You can join in with a Facebook Live event or just like and share our post. Be the first to find out about any big special guests that might be appearing on the air or any events at Unity Village. We want to hear from you. Make sure you leave any questions or comments about Unity programming. Thanks for listening. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore and other legendary Unity teachers with Reverend Bob Brock and Unity Classic Radio. Every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Central, Bob shares original radio transcripts from the Unity archives with truth students worldwide. Explore these timeless teachings and learn how to apply them to your life today. Listen live or on demand. You can also connect with Reverend Bob on his Unity in Action Facebook page. Tune in every Tuesday here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, living the eternal way with your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome back to The Yoga Hour. Today we're discussing Wake Up to Joy with the Yoga Hours host and founder, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, or Umaji. Umaji, would you share another poem with us as we begin the second segment of the show? Sure. Um, Again, this is a poem from uh, The Moon Reminded Me. It was um, published by Homebound Publications. Um, 
I think I'll read the one that is called Anahat, um, which is the Sanskrit term for the heart chakra or the heart center. It means unstruck. Um, Anahat Nada refers to the Om vibration, the holy words, this sounding of the heart, the eternal resonance of the divine presence that is within us. Um, all the time and we can tune into it. I, I often think that it is what um, the master Jesus was referring to when he when he said he would send to his disciples a comforter. Uh, I think of that uh, om vibration that we can tune into in meditation as the comforter because it is this um, omnipresent witness of the divine uh reality that is in everything. So, Anahat, listen with presence. Listen with presence, like the fingers of a cellist listen to the strings. Like the moon listens to the sun. Like a bee listens to the fuchsia bell and loses himself in the whirl. Like the mind listens to the heart, tastes the sound of bliss, and meets the self again. Listen like the mind listens to the heart, tastes the sound of bliss, and meets the self again. That was so beautiful and so appropriate for our conversation here today when we're talking about waking up to joy. So yeah, it's really um, it's really about letting the mind sink into the heart. That's the way I like to say it. Let the mind sink into the heart. And of course, I don't mean the physical heart. I mean this heart center, the center of consciousness, the center of the self, of our essence of being. Um, so to move our attention and awareness from being caught up in planning, scheming, wanting, doing, um, to being, just drop into being. And that's really the essence of yoga practice, uh, to turn, to turn our attention and our awareness uh, to being. Mm. Oh. Lovely and inspiring. So in a book, you outline three steps to help us connect with the unconditional bliss that's always available to us. The first step that you mention is to get to know innate joy by experiencing it regularly after meditation. And I, I really like the quote that you included by Paramahansa Yogananda, uh, which is, learn to carry all the conditions of happiness within yourself by meditating and attuning your consciousness to the ever-existing, ever-conscious, ever-new joy, which is God. So you encourage us to experience innate joy regularly after meditation. So how do we do this? Yeah, um, well, it's really the essence of yoga, as I just mentioned, you know, letting the mind sink into the heart. And of course, meditation 
practice itself is is really for that purpose. You know, meditation uh, is yoga. You know, is samadhi, which is to bring our attention and our awareness to rest consciously in our essence of being. So that is what meditation is in in the yoga tradition. So. Um, meditating takes us there, but I think too often, you know, we can look at our meditation like a task, um, and, you know, sit to meditate and then, you know, boom, you know, we're okay. We we've had our 20 minutes or our half hour, even our hour, and then we're off, you know, the mind is already off <laughs> into, okay, now I have to do this. Now I have to do that. Um, but, one of the ways to begin to cultivate a quieter mind and a more expansive heart is to be sure that you spend a little time after meditation uh, just cultivating a deeper awareness, you know, eyes opened, connected to your deep self, your true self, and your innate joy. Um, Lahiri Mahashaya, the, the guru of Sri Yukteswar, called that the, the after effects cause um, of Kriya, um, the Kriya yoga meditation method. So the after effects, you know, to hang out in the bhav of it, the spiritual energy of it. Don't, don't lose contact with that. Mm-hmm. And then finding it, you know, many times per day, not just on the meditation cushion, which I thought was such, you know, great advice, taking those little, you know, mini breaks and remembering, you know, that, uh, um, that feeling of that free flowing peace. Um, in, uh, you mentioned the book, and I, it's been my own experience that the more that you intend to remember it, the more you remember it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we could even say the other way, you know, it remembers you. (laughs) So, and of course that it being your, your true self. So, you know, it, it calls you back. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So in the first segment, we were talking a little bit about the ego and the ego's desire to pursue what it likes and to avoid what it doesn't like, which Ends us making us ends up making us unhappy. So to counter this tendency of the ego, the next step you outline is to affirm our joy. So starting with you know uh, experiencing this uh, uh, innate joy regularly, and then affirming our joy. So what what do you mean by this, and how do we go about it? I think it's a, it can be a cultivation of a practice that we have during the day, which is to return the mind again and again to the heart. Um, because you'll find that the the ego function of mind will quickly um, take you into a mode of dissatisfaction. That That's what the ego does. Um, because it is um, postulated this this false self, of course, which is not the true self, is postulated on being separate from the source. So 
by its very nature, it can never be complete or whole because its, its nature is to be separate. So along with that comes a conversation that goes something like, um, this is not enough. And often that then gets translated to, I am not enough. You know, I need this. I want that. This is not good enough. This is wrong. I don't like it. <laughs> so there's all those conversations, you know, arise from that sense of separate self, from, from the ego function of mind. So if you, if you can begin to identify that as ego function of mind, you know, which is continually perpetuating this sense of dissatisfaction. And then, you know, what's fascinating is, you know, ego is a script writer, is a Hollywood script writer, <laughs> and then, you know, builds a whole mini series around this um, sense of dissatisfaction, you know, starts to make a story of, you know, this is the reason I am dissatisfied. It's because of what happened. It's because of, you know, what so-and-so said or did. And therefore, you know, I am unhappy. Well, you know, it's really just a tale um, that you, you have woven, you know, by the ego function of mind. So you, so first, you know, begin to spot that. And, you know, once you begin to witness it, you're, you're already there because you're in a witness consciousness and you can come back to affirming your own wholeness, affirming your bliss, affirming your contentment. Now, does that mean that, that you become um, blind, you know, to things that, uh, need to be changed? No, it, it just means that you don't get so involved in the drama of it, in the story of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as you wrote in the book, which I thought you put it really well, awakening to our own wholeness puts the ego out of business. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's the script writer who can't, who can't get a show. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right. It doesn't doesn't stop the it doesn't stop the ego from you know trying to come up with a new series. The the ego the ego is quite um, clever in that way. But yes. you know, you you have to understand. You know, you can sit in the producer seat, right, and <laughs> say no, I'm not taking that script. Right. So to recap, the first two steps are experiencing joy regularly after meditation and affirming our joy, which brings us to the third step, release joyless beliefs. So what are joyless beliefs and where do they come from? The joy, joyless beliefs are, you know, part of the storytelling, you know, that I was just describing, but um they they show up in the form of you know imprints in the subconscious mind, which uh, are you know beliefs, um, which in yoga philosophy are called samskaras. So they're experiences that we've had in the past that you know perhaps they were traumatic or significant, and especially if they had emotion attached to them then they become imprints in the mental field. And um, then we begin to live 
out of those past beliefs. They're, they become an overlay on our present time experience. So, you know, it, it, it's helpful to examine, you know, what our beliefs are about happiness or contentment. Um, you know, so sometimes people, there's some common beliefs that people have that are that are untrue. Um, you know, one of them that I've seen, you know, I saw in my own, <laughs> in my own um, samskaric closet is, uh, you know, I, I can't be happy because um, I, I would have to desert my family, <laughs> my family of origin. So, you know, there was a lot of suffering in my family and in a sense, a commitment to misery um, because there was a lack of spiritual consciousness, spiritual awakening. So, you know, there, there was even, you know, <laughs> I, I remember as a child, this sort of classical um, phrase that some in my generation got from their parents, which was, you know, what are you so happy about? Um, which is a horrible thing to say to a child, right? <laughs> but um, so there's some, there's some imprints like that, like, well, if I am just happy and those around me are miserable, um, I won't be accepted in that place that is important to me. You know, I can't um, stand out in that way. And no, and um, so, you know, these are, of course, are, are, are not logical, they're emotional decisions. And um, so, you know, we can do some investigating and, and find out, you know, do, do we have a commitment to unhappiness because we think that, you know, in a sense, we owe it to the people around us who are unhappy, you know, not to try to change that system. No, exactly. And um, another uh, joyless belief, um, I've heard some people say that they feel it's selfish to be happy when so many in the world are unhappy. So how do you approach that? Yeah, I, I think that um, in some in some way, it, it kind of makes sense, you know, um, because really what we're saying when we say that is that we don't want to be someone who's out of touch um, with the suffering that people are going through in the world, right? You know, so we don't want to be laughing um, like somebody who's drunk, you know, in the face of real suffering and real difficulty. Yeah. Um, so there's that, there's that, you know, which is a right intent, but it's also a misunderstanding that somehow thinking that if we are unhappy, um, because others are unhappy, that will make us, you know, more effective. And it doesn't, you know, uh, unhappiness just breeds unhappiness. Um, you know, like there's a saying attributed to the Buddha that, you know, hate never once dispelled hate, only love does that. So I, I feel the same thing, you know, only, you know, suffering, uh, never once dispelled suffering, you know, only peace, uh, only contentment, only true happiness does that. So our state of consciousness is contagious. So, you know, once we understand that, that what we have to share is our deep peace, our deep contentment, and then we can help uh, others who are, are suffering. So it's not about being out of touch in the deepest way. It's about being in touch. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So in the book, you mentioned that the Buddhist monk and peace activist Thich Nhat Hanh suggests smiling as a spiritual practice, even smiling gently in the face of sorrow. So can you say more about that? What does this practice convey? Yeah, it's really um, just a good summary, I think, of what I just um, was pointing to that. And he's such a beautiful example of it, you know, having witnessed so much suffering in his life and cultivating that practice of being peace and smiling in the face of sorrow. Um, It's a smile of deep knowing, a smile of compassion, a smile of peace, a smile of love rather than a frown of sorrow. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, just to you know, recap the, the three steps we've talked about so far is experiencing joy regularly after meditation, affirming our joy, and then releasing joyless beliefs. And, it, and I love actually how they're, they're grounded really in that self-study practice we were talking about earlier, you know, so um, experiencing joy regularly, um, affirming our joy, which is kind of recapturing it, you know, throughout the day and um, releasing joyless beliefs, which really you have to do self-study if you're going to understand what those joyless beliefs are. Right. And, you know, just as I was um, pointing to with this um, belief, perhaps that we shouldn't be happy because others are suffering, Um, You know, one of the ways that is helpful for releasing joyless beliefs is not to add to our own suffering in the process. So, you know, first we can look at, you know, how those beliefs that we have held for a long time helped us at one time. So, you know, I talked about being a child and in my family system, it really wasn't okay to be so happy (laughs) because the thermostat was set much lower. Um, and there was a lot of unhappiness. So as a child, um, it actually kept me safe in that environment. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and because, you know, I wasn't rocking the boat. And I, so I learned how to keep that um, soul joy to myself. But as an adult, it, it no longer served me. So, um, you, you know, usually these... Um, things that we carry, these beliefs that we carry, uh, you know, they ha- there's a gem in there that we can say, oh, okay, I see, you know, at one point that served me, but, you know, does it serve me today? And if it no longer serves you, then it's time to release it. Yes, yes. So in our, um, as we're coming to the, the close of the show and we have about... Um, three or four minutes left. Um, oh, one of the things that I that I didn't mention that you discuss in the book is Joseph Campbell's uh, advice to follow your bliss, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is something we could talk about, or we could have another poem. So, what what would you like? Um, I, I like that um, <laughs> Joseph Campbell's advice. Of course, it's. It, it was so profound and, you know, we know that he was a student of Vedanta and that's where it comes from that, you know, so many people misunderstood it when it came out. It was kind of like a, a hoo-ha, <laughs> you know, go do what, you know, party down. But 
you know, he, he, <laughs> he, he was, he was talking about, um, staying in touch with what, um, with your deep joy, with your aliveness, really, you know, so when we talk about bliss, it's not a static thing. It's, it's, it is the peace of the soul. It is the joy of the soul, but that in itself is a living reality. It's a, it's a Shakti, you know? Um, and so it, Tending our bliss, following our bliss, is staying connected to what has heart and meaning for us in our life. So I think that's a wonderful um, thought, you know, as we begin the new year to be reflecting on, you know, what has heart and meaning, you know, what connects us most deeply to what really matters. Mm, that's it's really really lovely to uh, use that as a point of reflection. So in the last um, minute and a half or so, um, what words of inspiration or encouragement would you like to leave with our listeners? Maybe I'll just close with a poem, um, a short one. Now we learn about love. The spring box doesn't consider whether or not to overflow, whether or not to pour herself forth. Free from calculating how much or not enough. Free from calculating how much or not enough. Every moment she gives herself away. Yet every moment she is full. If you ask her how she does this, she falls over laughing. words to uh, reflect on as we begin the new year. Yeah, I, th I think, you know, we're getting, we're getting ready for a retreat today. And um, there's a beautiful energy with the new year. Paramansa Yogananda did such a beautiful, um, he had such a beautiful way of articulating it, you know, all the portals of possibility open to you. And um, we do, you know, we feel an energy of let me begin again. Um, but I think to make a, a retreat as your year begins is a wonderful way to do that. A wonderful way to say, let me begin by turning within. Let me begin by returning uh, to the source of my being and um, touching that innate joy and let my life proceed from there. Mm. Yeah, that's really lovely. And with that, we've come to the close of the show. You've been listening to the, <clears throat> to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the show, and we've been so fortunate to have with us today the founder and host of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We've been discussing Wake Up to Joy, and this is from uh, her new book, The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga. Yogacharya O'Brien is an internationally acclaimed spiritual teacher, author, poet, and the founder and spiritual director of Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. You can uh, find out uh, more about her book and uh, order it on Amazon.com and from her website, EllenGraceO'Brien.com. You uh, also 
can see many events that are coming in the coming months uh, on Yogacharya O'Brien's website. Um, again, I mentioned a few of the retreats that are coming up. It will be happening later on in the year, and there are lots of other uh, events, so check back there regularly. Um, you can also find out about her writings on her website, the yoga, Ellen, I'm sorry, ellengraceobrien.com website, and also more about the teaching that's happening at CSE on the CSE website, csecenter.org. Thank you so much for this conversation, Umaji. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you so much, and many blessings to you and to all of the listeners in this new year ahead. Um, may it be truly spiritually fulfilling. Mm. So uh, next week, tune in for a conversation between Yogacharya O'Brien and Phil Goldberg, author of the books The Life of Yogananda and American Veda. We've titled the episode Living the Four Aims, Paramahansa Yogananda's Inspired Life, which will be a very timely episode since Yogananda's birth anniversary is coming right up on January 5th. Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment Meditation Center in the Kriya Yoga tradition, which welcomes people from all backgrounds who are seeking self and God realization, a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. 